Well, greetings, family, and I just wanted to um, say hello and that I um, just find myself missing you more and more as we continue to be separated. Um, I just wanted to, along those lines, wanted to remind you of something. You've not been to our website in a while or you don't check it regularly. I just really want to encourage you to do that. It is probably our best hub of communication. Text messages that I send out to large groups, half the people get them, half don't. The emails, many people aren't getting them or they're going to junk and not getting checked. And, um, and so really your ability to go to the website is what is probably our best way of communicating with you. If you go right to our front page of our website, it's cornerstonechurchaz.org, cornerstonechurchaz.org. You can find um, right on the front page, there's a banner. It's got links that tell you everything from what you need for worship on Sundays to um, it'll take you to the news page that just has encouraging words from leaders, um, other elders, shepherds in the flock, articles that you can look at, videos that you can um, that you can watch for encouragement. If you have things that you would love to share that you see the Spirit doing in your life or your family's life or in your neighborhood, shoot them to me, shoot them to Pastor Jeff, and we would love to get those onto our website as well. But it's probably our best family communication hub right now. Again, Cornerstone Church AZ. Dot org. Along, also along those lines is a way to stay connected. I just want to promote again um, the idea of the daily readings. Those are the, the, the passages of scripture that we would commit to reading together as a family and a faith family every day. And this has been part of our DNA at Cornerstone for nine years since we launched the church. And, and it flowed out of just an overflow of where I was in journaling and reading and responding to the word every day. Um, by the grace of God. And so what we want, part of why the daily readings are important is one, we certainly want to all be reading um, from the same playbook, right? We want to be working from the same playbook. And, and of course, that's the Bible, the Word of God, and, and prayerfully, all of you are, are developing or already have established the habit of reading and responding to the Word of God every day. We also, in addition to just being in the same playbook, we want to be on the same page in the book so that we're running the same plays on the, at the same time and that's where the daily readings particularly come in they're not really long you could still be doing other reading plans just like I'm doing um, you could along with them but there's two reasons the daily readings are important one is they're an overflow of the message that you're going to hear on Sunday so the so the passages that are picked Monday through next Saturday will directly connect and keep the conversation going between you and the Lord between you and your spouse your family your friends um, it'll keep that conversation going because it will remind you of things that you hear this morning in the message uh, from from the Lord. And and the second thing is that um, for us to really be a team, for us to be a family, um, a faith family that are all moving together on the mission, we need to be reading the same thing on the same day. There is huge power in that. I can't tell you how many times I just hear from people who, even just yesterday as I was walking along with a brother and we were just talking about the daily reading. And, and so I want to encourage you um, because that way you can, whether it's around your dinner table, hey, everybody grab your journals and let's talk about what the Lord spoke to you out of today's reading. You all read the same thing. At least part of your daily plan was reading, your reading plan was reading the same thing on that day. You can also reach out to each other and say, hey, here's what the Lord hit me with. What did the Lord hit you with? Um, but it's so important for us to, to be on the same page, especially when we're struggling to be connected. Um, because they're just, communication is hard. And, and so to have that communication be meaningful, which means piercing and penetrating to the souls of people with the word of God, even in our conversations with one another, and especially in our conversations with one another, there's power in that. And so I just want to encourage you, you can either um, on the on the website front page, there's a, there's a link for today's all the today's resources. One of them is the connecting points. I show this to you every Sunday. 
on the back of it like there has always been are the daily readings it goes starts um, with today's reading in Colossians 2 which is where we'll be today and then it goes right on through to next Sunday where we'll be in Psalm 16 we're gonna keep going in Colossians but I just felt led to throw a psalm in there for next Sunday that could that relates to the message of Colossians and so we'll be in Psalm 16 uh, you can also just sign up go to the front page of the website down towards the bottom there's a box that says sign up for the in the work today devotional and each of these readings along with my de devotional about it that day a uh, short little commentary on it will be sent directly to your inbox that way you can just get on your phone or on your computer your your tablet whatever it is and you can um, it will take you right to the whole passage if you'd like and you can read that daily reading and again accomplish sort of the same thing as um, what I was describing earlier so that we're all on the same page at the same time if you have not already done so as Kyle and Cambria um, suggested if you didn't already listen to the music start with Psalm 51 read through that to nourish your soul um, spend some time in worship with them and then open up your Bibles um, and and read Psalm 32 together before we dive into the Colossians passage It's the best way to turn our minds attention and hearts affection to him so if you have not done that already press pause as you've already been asked to do uh, by the music by Kyle and Cambria. If you didn't do it then, do it now. Press pause and, and take a minute to prepare your heart and to pray as, as with whoever you're with or by yourself um, to really receive the word implanted in you. So do that now. We are um, in this series that um, that's going through the book of Colossians, what um, we're calling I what, what, that I decided to call I still am it flows from the idea of trying to remind ourselves in the midst of what's going on in our world and sort of the uneasiness that many people are feeling um, it's a great way for us to be reminded that um, that he still is the I am that that um, it flows from uh, the scene in Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus puts the disciples in the boat he he orchestrates the event that that takes them far out into the sea where they are th where they're in a big storm and they think they're going to die and up he walks along the waves and he and they cry out that we're dying because they're scared to death and he says stop being afraid the great i am is here he says stop being afraid i am and th and that's really um what i just constantly need to be reminded of and what the passage in colossians is going to remind us of today he still is so last week we looked at uh, the fact that he still is the one holding it all together and this week we're going to see that he still is the one who um, provides freedom from freedom from the bondage of sin and and he is still in the business of doing that and showing himself in power the bulletin verse for this week was that was on your bulletin that sort of the 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 key part of this um, chapter is in uh, Colossians 2:14. he says he canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us which were hostile to us and he's taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross so as i said today's message is entitled i still am the one offering freedom from the bondage of sin or from sin's bondage and the question i'm going to ask today is what does it look like to live in freedom like what does it really look like to live in the freedom that christ that, that, that christ has afforded us by going to the cross and we're going to take a look at that today. But before I open up the Word of God, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, the truth that if we are free in Christ, we are free indeed. That's what your son said in John 8. Lord, I, so I pray that we would live as freed men and women. Lord, I want to pray right now for those of us 
um, for those that are listening um, that are in bondage. Maybe it's bondage to ourselves and our own minds. Maybe we're trapped in a, in a self-made prison. Maybe it's bondage that somebody else has put us in with, with unreasonable expectations. Uh, maybe it's bondage in, in something that we thought was a good thing but has now become an idol in our hearts and, and now it rules us instead of us being um, it just being useful to us, Lord. I pray that that for those of us, um, for those that are that are that are in the bondage of just of just addictive sin, uh, Lord. I pray that that even in the next few minutes, Your Word would release them, break the chains, Lord. I pray in the name of, this, of Jesus Christ, the chain breaker. I pray in the power of the Spirit, um, the one who gives peace, Lord. I pray that You would break the chains of bondage that that we all struggle with everybody here he, and, and I and, and if there's somebody right now that as I'm praying is going I'm not in bondage Lord I they're in bondage that, that's bondage I pray that you would um, that you would um, reveal your grace to them Lord I pray now that we would be able to say um, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and that we are free indeed in the power of the Spirit that flows from the cross of the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. We pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Man, I wish I could hear you guys say that. So today's question is, what does it look like to live in freedom? But before we jump into Colossians, I did want to just remind you, don't even make don't, our tendency from last week, we talked about this, our tendency is to make our salvation about us. Um, and, and, and there's certainly a part of it that is about us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Um, but but really, we were saved by God, from God, for God. And that was all for the love that he has for his son, Jesus Christ. And don't make your freedom about you either. You were not set, if you're in Christ, you were not set free to do what you want. You were set free to live a life of worship for the one who set you free. And so our tendency is to live uh, self-centered and not Christ-centered and not live our lives for the one who gave us. So you're going to hear that over and over again. I'll tell you why, even during the message, why I keep repeating that over and over again. And our motivation for living that way is because he died to set us free. I mean, it cost something for our freedom. Freedom had a price, and it was the price of the life of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, on a cross. Um, and, and so um, our, the, the spiritual service of worship that we can have to give back to him what he's given to us is to give him back the life that he has given us and live it for him. And so I'm excited to share that with you today. I'm just going to be teaching right from my iPad today because all these moving pieces have just gotten too confusing for me. Um, so when I say open up the word, open up the word, um, my word is right here this morning. And, um, and so I'm just going to um, use it. Our first point that we're going to look at today in the passage that, um, and there's only two today that this chapter has that, that are going to answer the question um, that we have of what does it look like to live in freedom. Our first point is that we don't want to forget that you're freed. You don't want to forget that you're freed by holding on to your past sin life, by holding on to your past sin struggles, right? And so we want to remember who freed us and that we're freed. And that may seem like a simple thing, but it really is very hard. If you look at Colossians and you open up to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1, and he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. This is the Apostle Paul talking to this church in Colossae. Uh, he says, I, I wanted you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are in Laodicea and for all those who I have not personally seen who have not personally seen my face. And even as I read that, it just reminded me of like how great a struggle his heart was having with these people that he loved and he could not see. 
He could not see them face to face. And, and man, like I get that struggle right now. I, I, I bet you're getting that struggle right now that, that your heart longs to be together. I mean, my heart longs to see you guys and to be together. Um, and, and that's the heart of a pastor for his people. And that's the heart Paul has. So, so remember that heart, it's a heart of gentleness and tenderness, even as he talks a little bit about some hard things coming up in this letter as we go along. And verses 2 and 3 are really part of the key to the whole passage here that we're looking at. In verse 2 he says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to the, to the wealth, that's, that's not physical wealth, it's spiritual wealth, that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God, of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I, ultimately what he's saying here is, guys, your heart should be encouraged by the full assurance of who Christ is. It's Christ himself. Where we put our hope, who we ask for help, is really what matters the most. Especially in times when, when we're in the midst of a storm, out in a boat, and we need the great I am to come walking to us on the waves. Right? Who he is and what he's done is what's really the most important thing in our lives. And so we want to be constantly reminding, and Paul's saying it again, just like he did in chapter 1, it is Christ himself that really is the hope of our glory. And we'll see that just in just a minute. In fact, in fact, if you, if you turn back a page um, to Colossians chapter 1 from last week, he says, in, in, in the, where we were last week, he says, although you formerly were alienated and hostile in mind, so you were separate from God, and, and like I was for the first 25 years of my 51 years roughly, um, I, I, I was not indifferent towards God. I was antagonistic. I was a fish-shaking, angry, um, I don't believe in you, um, I'm going to be my own God kind of person. He's saying that's really where we all are prior to Christ. Yet he, who has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, he, Christ, has reconciled us in order to present you before him, God the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That was Colossians 1, 22, 21 and 22 from last week. And then how is that even possible? It's possible because of what he said in Colossians 1, 26 and 27. That's what he said in, in, in verse 26. He said, this is the mystery, right, which was hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom will to be made known the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. So he's saying, here was the mystery of God's plan to save his people from the very beginning. And here's what it is. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Guys, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You're going to read in some of your daily readings this week that that doesn't mean that we don't still have battles with our flesh. Flesh has a memory. Um, the Apostle Paul battled with his flesh. But, but we don't want to keep, back to my point, of by remembering that we're free, our tendency is to rehash, relive our own sins that we've committed, sins that people have committed against us, whether they're really true or not. Um, and, and we got to stop living and that's bondage. Both of those things, remembering your past sin and mistakes and, and dwelling on other people's mis sins and mistakes against you is living in bondage. And um, and you got we got to be free from that. And I struggle with that. I've confessed that to you guys many, many times, but we've got to get free from that kind of stuff. In verse four, he goes on and he says, I say this so that no one will delude you with, the with persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. He's like, 
don't let people that for verse four, don't let people who are telling you, you just got to be more holy. And what they meant by that and what people often mean today is you just got to be more religious. You, you just have to, you have to do more good things. He's like, no, 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 don't, don't let people delude you in that. Look at verse six. Therefore, and here's why you don't want to delude yourself and let people delude you and suck you back into this. You have to do good to be good, right? No, we do good because he's made us good. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything to him. Therefore, he says in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus? What was your spiritual condition before his Holy Spirit entered you? Well, the Bible is really clear. You're spiritually dead. In Ephesians, another letter from Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, he talks, he talks, he starts out with, you were dead in your trespasses. And then, he, and then in verses 4 and 5, he says, But God, it's two of the best words in the Bible, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead, not sort of dead, completely dead in your sin, because the wages of sin is death, right? And even when you were dead, he made you alive together with him. That's what Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says. Paul keeps going in Colossians, so pick it up in verse 7. He's saying, so just as you received Christ Jesus, walk in him. Look at verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing with gratitude. There's a lot there in that one verse. In fact, um, there's a lot of action here. In the original Greek, like this, this particular verse really jumps out at you because um, the way Paul wrote it, there are four participles. Partic a participle is just a fancy word. Um, it's it's a verb. I'm sorry. It's it's a verb that is being used to describe a noun. So it's basically a verb that's acting like an adjective. So it's so here's what he's saying. Paul is saying, you've been saved in Christ. Christ has sealed you. He is in you. You're to walk like that. You're to walk completely dependent on Him. And here's what walking completely dependent in Christ looks like. And there are four participles, four words that He uses. But here's the key: the first three of the four words that He's going to that I'm going to outline here in verse seven are in what's called the passive tense. And what that means is um, that means it's being done. I'm sorry, the passive voice. That means it's being done to you. It's it's not you're you're not doing the action. Something outside of you is doing it to you. So he's saying, this is how, here are three ways that the Spirit is working in your life. The fourth word is in the active. And that means that it's on us. That means we're to do it. And so the first word that, that he says there, having been firmly rooted. So rooted is that is that word. It's, it's in the passive voice. So, and here's the thing. It's in the perfect tense. Perfect means it was completed. So, so passive voice means it was done to you apart from you. The perfect tense means it was done in eternity past and will go on for for eternity future forever and ever and there's nothing that can undo it so when he says rooted what he really means he's he's speaking about the anchor of our soul the, the minute he passive voice he set the anchor of our heart into the rock that is jesus christ that he plugged us into the cornerstone that is jesus christ that moment is when he rooted us in christ so that's what he that's what paul means by rooted 
The next word there, again, it's in the passive. It's still God doing the work, is you are being built up. That's in the present tense, which just means that, that right now, you are ongoing all the time, an hour from now, a day from now, a week from now, until he comes back. You are in the process of being built up. And, and just like the word means, or just like the word says, it, it has the picture of just being built up. So you're you're growing in stature as, as the Holy Spirit works in your life. The third word is established. The third word is when he says that he established you in your faith. Again, passive, which means that God is the one who is, who is establishing your faith. It's But it's in the present tense, which means he is constantly in the business of establishing you. Here's why. Because established really in, in, in the Greek has the has the picture of growing roots down into something so if building up is is the plant grow is the tree growing up the established are the roots growing down and as the tree grows up the roots have to get deeper because the the taller the tree gets the the, the more the wind affects it the more the more vulnerable the more vulnerable it is to attack from the world just like in the christian walk and the roots have to be stronger so those three things rooted built up established all in the passive right all god doing the work but here's our response, overflowing with gratitude. That's in the present tense, so constantly be in the position of being of overflowing thanks. Give thanks always, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. And it's in the active voice, which means you and I are the ones that are responsible for doing it. He's not he's in other words, here's where he, here's where God is saying, look, because I've done these things for you. I've rooted you, I've built you up. I'm I've rooted you. I am building you up and I am establishing you. Your your role is to overflow with gratitude for what I have done for you. Guys, it's important that we get that, that in the midst of, of, those, of that description, that, that we're really understanding that this isn't about success in some, in some single area of our lives. In other words, we're being built up in our ability to lead, or we're being built up in our ability to even do ministry, or our, or our um, security financially, or whatever those things might be. Really, the ultimate thing here is, are you are you being strengthened in your understanding of your desperate need for grace and his overwhelming heart to give it to you right but but what i want you to get out of this is our role in our salvation story in in our our role in our ongoing salvation story is to give overwhelming abundant constant always active joyful um thanksgiving for what Christ has done for us. It is to have overflowing gratitude for the fact that he, that the, to the one who gave you life by giving and living your life that way. I hope that makes sense to you guys, um, that we are to be freely praising him because that is our spiritual service of worship. So why is this so hard? Like, why is it so hard to live that way? Why is it so hard to live in this overflowing gratitude all the time? Well, Paul goes on in verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. He's saying, deception. He's saying, here's why it's so hard to live in that overflowing gratitude. Because, because the world's just dragging us down. Like the, the, the news has always been negative, even in the first century. He's like, don't let people tell you all this negative stuff about what's wrong in the world, what's wrong with you, and what you need to do to make it right. He's saying, according to the, to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of this world, that's a way of sort of subtly talking about Satan and what he's doing in the world, rather than according to Christ. Here's what he's saying. Don't let worldly reason make you miss the truth that we are desperately in need of Christ. Don't let 
what what the world is telling us we need to do to get through this next this 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 COVID-19 thing or whatever whatever will come next or whatever's even just going on in your life apart from all of this don't let the world tell you what the solution is you're the only solution is recognizing that we desperately need Jesus don't let fear of man issues yeah but what's the world going to think of me if, if all I do is is say something on social media about you know what forget all this stuff just love Jesus like just come to faith in Christ because he's coming again what are people going to think of me don't let that fear stop you from a healthy fear of him because a healthy fear if you fear God you need fear nothing else I think it was Spurgeon who said that but I could be wrong um, but but a healthy just fear which just which, which simply means being in complete awe of the power of God and of his love for you right that ought to overwhelm any other fear that we have Paul keeps reminding of this I mean if you read not just in Colossians but you read all of his letters he keeps reminding all over and over and over again all that we need of God is all found in Jesus Christ everything we need from God is all found in Jesus Christ why does he keep saying it because the world wants to take that away from us why do I I feel like a broken record I feel like not just in this series where we're looking at focusing on Christ as a way to overcome what's going on in the world and to be reassured that, that he is still in control but I feel like that really was what we talked about in second Timothy it's what we talked about in Revelation and Daniel for sure it's even what we talked about in the Advent season that we were in and um, in the resurrection season that we just came out of and so it's sort of that um, what, what is why, why do I feel like a broken record and I keep saying G it's it's about Jesus because one that's just the truth I mean it, it is it's the truth but two the reason I feel like I need to keep saying it is because I, I, I have to keep saying it to myself we are leaky people right we we just we dry we tend to get dry we tend to we tend to forget we're a forgetful people and so we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day we need to preach the blood-bought gospel of Jesus Christ to our own hearts and to the hearts of each other and to the hearts of the world every day because the world wants to tell us something different and what the gospel is is Jesus Christ and him crucified look at verse 11 and in him we were also you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body and of the flesh but you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead I, again Paul can kind of get sort of wordy here's what he basically means you were covered in sin and Christ removed it that's that whole circumcision that's really what he's it's a picture from the Old Testament he's bringing it forward to the New Testament he's saying you were you were covered in sin and Christ removed it and then the second part he says and you were dead and Christ made you alive that's that's how those two verses could be summarized verse 13 when you were dead in your transgressions and circumcision of your flesh he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us which are hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross I love how the New Living Translation paraphrases um, verses 13 and 14 you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away that's back to that circumcision idea then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins forgave done it is finished at the cross all our sins he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross that's what Christ has done for us and 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 
and I've talked about this passage before because it's one of my favorites. Just because I, it's it, my struggle is is not is is beating myself up about past sins, and so I, I want to remind us all again of what that word "canceled the record of debt against us." What that really means, and taking it out of the way. That means wiped clean. That means uh, it, it isn't like, but we have this idea that it's a picture of like a canceled check. So if you if you have a check that's come back from the bank and it's been and, and it's cleared the bank, they stamp canceled on it, but the check is still there, all the writing is still seen. That is not the picture that this that that Paul is painting here. The word canceled here doesn't mean canceled like X'd out. It means wiped clean. And the way I've demonstrated that in the past and what I'll do today, so if, if this is me, and I'm hoping you guys can see this with the lighting and stuff, but um, if this is me, and um, so this is my life. This, this picture frame is a picture of my, is my life in a picture, right? And, and I'm not obviously a very good artist because that's me. Um, but but here's, here's what we tend to do, right? We tend to, I mean... I'm 51 years old. I've had a lot of opportunity to sin. Like we, were, you know, we were we were sinners from our mother's womb. Well, 51 years of that, um, there's a lot of sin there. And so, as I look at my life, I look at how I tend to um, struggle with anger. I tend to struggle with um, bitterness. Right. I tend to struggle with envy. That's a huge one for me. I tend to struggle with um, lust issues. Right? Any man that says he doesn't is lying. Um, and so I tend to, we struggle with those things. Um, I, I could go on and on. I could go on with unforgiveness. Um, I could go um, selfish. Oh boy, yeah. Selfishness. I think you guys get the idea. And, and this whole page fills up. Here's the problem I distinctly remember all of those things. God distinctly remembers forgetting all of those sins. But here's what I believe. I'm like, okay, I, I get that. I get that. I get that by the grace of Christ, and I'm not being flippant about this at all. I, I get that, that by the grace of Christ through his cross, he has forgiven our sins. And so I see this like superimposing the cross over the top of, of all of this. And so now it's, it's, it's not Christ, it's not me, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. But here's my problem because of who I am and, and my own struggles is I look at that and I go, okay, I know I'm forgiven. But just like I can still remember and see all those sins, so can God. And when he's disappointed in me, he can not only bring up the thing I just disappointed disappointed him in, which, by the way, we don't. Um, but he'll actually go, yeah, and Doug, I, I still remember that, that, that struggle with lust you had a few days ago. And I still remember um, the anger that you showed towards one of your daughters. And I still remember um, how selfish you were. Uh, last week to another brother in Christ or or and, and I believe and so in my mind I start thinking oh man and, and it literally instead of living in freedom and in power that that freedom provides I'm I'm discouraged and I'm living in bondage I'm living in the bondage of I'm I'm sort of pseudo forgiven by God but guys this passage verse 15 what it what it means is what what God inspired Paul to write was not this picture but it's wiped clean. When he says that, that he canceled the record, it's not put an X through it all, not even put the cross through it all. It's that the cross completely wiped clean all of our sin so that all that God sees when he looks at me after I have come to Christ is this. That's it. It is Christ's righteousness, right? It is 
Christ's holiness, it is Christ's beauty, it is Christ's sinlessness that has been applied to my life. That's the picture of my life that, that God sees. I don't know if you can see that. There it is. That's the picture of my life that God sees. That's it. Right? It's none of the, it, the rest of it is, is wiped clean. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sin from us. That's what Isaiah tells us. And then you look at verse 15 and he says, when, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. When he says rulers and authorities, when Paul's talking about rulers and authorities, he's not talking about the government. He's not talking about Republicans and Democrats. He's not talking about China. He is talking about Satan and his demons. He's talking about demonic beings. And he said, when, when the cross happened and it is finished and he went to the grave and then he rose again, that removed the power of Satan over anyone who steps into that space and says, that sacrifice was for me. Satan no longer has a place there. He no longer has power there, but he can still influence us there. And so he's saying once he has, he, he triumphed over all that, he, his kingdom isn't a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom because, and someday it will become a physical kingdom again, because right now this physical is just a shadow of what the someday, what the current spiritual and someday new heaven and new earth will be. It is the spiritual part of our lives, the eternal souls of every person who's ever lived, that's going to last forever. And that's why Paul cares about that. That's why Jesus cares about that. Guys, we have to remember that this kind of freedom cost something. It cost God the life of his son. Right? This is not a license. This idea of, okay, well, he doesn't remember any of that, so this is not a license to just go on sinning. The Bible's really clear about that. I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about it even today, but I want, but I just want to be really sure as, as your pastor, I would be remiss in just sort of going, you know what, you're forgiven freely, completely, totally, all true, so live like you want to live. The, the, the price that God paid, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, is not license to go live the way you want to live. It's to live the life he has given you to live. And some of you who know my backstory and you know what I was like prior to coming to Christ in my first 20 plus years of life and, and that I was an atheist and, um, and just very, very worldly. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you're, some, of, some people, because I've had conversations, especially with younger people, and they're like, yeah, but, but Doug, you, you lived that, your life that way. Now look at you. You're okay. Like, like you, you came to Christ. He's taking care of that. You're okay, so can't I just have fun now? Well, I just want to make something really clear to you right now. I'm not okay. Right? I'm not okay. I, I, I'm not. The, the enemy and my flesh use my past. It has a memory. Satan has a memory. And they use my past against me all the time. And the longer you live in that rebellion towards God, the harder it is to live in victory later. And, I'm, and I am living proof of that. My part, probably, I would imagine, way more of my struggles than I even realize are because of my past. And, and what, I, what I don't feel like I have been freely released from. Because even though what I just said is all true, God doesn't see it. The enemy and my flesh get me to believe that he does. So I don't live in the freedom. The other thing is, guys, as far as just like living the way you want to live, the stuff that you're dabbling in today will become the, your bondage tomorrow, right? The, the things that, that you think, oh, these are just fun. And, and it could be 
really bad stuff, pornography, it could be alcohol addiction, it could be drugs, it could be, but it can also just be video games, it could be um, whatever your, your thing is that you're like, you know what, this is just a fun thing that I'm going to let myself have a little fun with. If you let that go, it becomes an idol and idols bind us. You will be in bondage to that idol if you're not careful, right? It is, um, it is what addictions do. Freedom in Christ is freedom from that bondage. It is, it, we are all slaves to something. We are, our own selves, the world, something. We ought, be free, we ought to be slaves to the one who loves us enough to die for us. That's the gospel. So today's question, what does it look like to live in freedom? Don't forget your freed by remembering and holding on to your past sin. Don't forget your freed. The table talk question is this. Why is it so hard to live in victory over the guilt of your sin? Because our flesh, mind, and enemy have a memory. The reason it's so hard to live in this victory is because our, one, we leak, and two, our flesh, mind, and memory, ha and, and Satan have, and, and the enemy have memories. So conduct your own whiteboard activity now. So either everybody, when you're going to pause this in a minute, get a piece of paper or three by five card. We've used those at church a few times, um, and then you can, or or if you just need, want to do it in a mental whiteboard, you can do it that way too, um, and just like I did, write down those things. You don't have to share them with each other. Just write down the things that you struggle with. Now superimpose the cross on them and then see your sins disappear in your mind's eye. Whether it was physically you wrote them on a card or not, but, but, but imagine that all that's left on the piece of paper, all that's left in your mind's eye is just the cross of Christ. And then destroy the paper to prove that they have been annihilated. They have been canceled. They have been wiped clean. This is what the cross did. It is finished. Take some time right now to stop and offer prayers of thanks for the overwhelming grace God has shown you. So you can do the whiteboard activity kind of um, right now, but sort of individually if you would like, and just take a minute, give, your, give each other some time to, to process through that. And then, and then take a few minutes to just in one and two and three words, just praising God for his overwhelming grace towards you. Okay, so today's question is, what does it look like to live in freedom? We only have two points, and the second point goes faster than even the first one. And so it's, first is, don't forget that you're freed. We're to live as freed people. The second point is, don't let others place you back in bondage. Don't let others, including yourself and the enemy, Satan, place you back in the bondage that his cross set you free from. Look at Colossians 2, verses, verse 16. He says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are mere shadows of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. I love what he says. He's like, don't guys, don't get... Because what was happening in Colossae is the same thing that can happen in the church today. These people were, were trying to convince these baby believers, these new Christians... That, that you need to be legalist, that you need to, there's a lot of stuff you need to do. You still need to fulfill the law. You still need to be circumcised, like in the Old Testament. You still need to um, practice the, um, the feasts. You still need to, all the stuff that, that was the old covenant, they were trying to bring in often, and this is what we do to each other all the time. I'll get there in a minute. And, and what Paul is saying is, all of that was just the Old Testament shadow. I, I love when he says, 
It was a mere shadow of what is to come. A shadow, I love that picture because a shadow, like the one behind me here, is, is an image cast by something that looks just like it. So when he's saying that Christ, all that stuff in the, in, the, in the Old Testament was a shadow of something. It was a shadow of what? It was a shadow of the substance. And the substance, the real thing, the, the real thing, not the shadow, was Christ. So he's saying Christ is the real thing that his first and second coming, all of this book in the Old Testament is about, is about fulfilling the plan of God, which is his son would come once to save us and redeem us. And his son would come again to renew us and restore us. That's what this book is about. That's the gospel message. Verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize. He's like, you've been set free. Don't let people suck you back in. Don't let them take your prize away by delighting in self-abasement, which just is a way of saying, depriving you. Oh, look at how holy I am because I don't do any of that bad stuff over there. And the worship of angels, that's a whole nother uh, thing in our society, the New Age movement and and frankly, even the Mormon faith um, is very much about a lot of that sort of thing. Taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Um, yeah, that if that isn't sound, certainly Joseph Smith hasn't didn't corner the market on that. But that that is a, that an angel gave him a vision. The Book of Mormon was written. Um, but that's certainly not all Paul's talking about here. Obviously. Verse 19, and not, withhold, and not holding fast to the head, that's Christ, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. Guys, ultimately, here's what Paul's saying. It is not law, but it is love that changes behavior. Right? Life, not law, changes behavior. As you yield to the Spirit, Christ's life is manifest as fruit of the Spirit. His life in you, not more rules that you need to follow. We don't do so that we'll be. We don't do so that he'll do. We do because he's made us into something. We do because he did. The law works by compulsion from without, but grace works by compassion from within. Right? It, like what we do needs to be an is, is an overflow of what he's done for us, what he's done to us, and what he's doing through us. That's why we do what we do. Just like I said last week, outside of that, if that's not our motivation, if that's not our power, in doing good, it's doing good for that means nothing to Jesus. Verse 20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you're living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees such as, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. So he's saying, if you're in Christ, if you've said, you know what, I, I can't earn my salvation. I can't do good to win God's favor. But I don't have to because because of who Christ is and because of what Christ has done. That's why I am who I am in, in to God. He's like, then why do, you, why do you get sucked back into don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, don't do those bad things, which all refer to things that, that are perished, that perish when they're used in accordance with the commands and teaching of men. So he's like, why are you doing all this religious activity when you know that that's not what really saves you? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Guys, man-made systems of rules, what we think of, what, what, what is commonly thought of when we hear religion, right? Man-made systems of rules is a pseudo-spiritual way of living that revels in self-denial. 
right? Religion, like 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 the the bad way that word is used nowadays. I don't think all by itself religion is a bad word, but religious activity apart from real gospel motivation um, is a is just a pseudo spiritual way of living. It's it's sort of being spiritual and trying to do good things to earn God's pr- approval um, by by reveling in the stuff that you don't do wrong, right? And 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 at some level. We all do this, but but here's what's here's what's interesting. The the people who don't, and I, I don't do any of that bad stuff. The, the really like, I mean, I I don't want to point out a group in particular, but just the people that are very legalistic, very oh I, I don't ever do it, and I don't hang out with any of those people that would ever do any of those really bad things. Here's what they don't understand: that attitude. In God's eyes, if you if you've ever read the Gospels, any of them, that attitude of I don't hang out with those bad people is a bigger affront to Jesus Christ than the bad things those people are are pointing um, at the bad people for doing. I, I, that was really confusing the way I said that. So, if you're judgmental, if you're looking at other people and you're going, man. Oh, how could they do that? Oh, how can they live that way? Ah, oh, I'll give you some examples. Ah, oh, alcohol. How could they ever drink a glass of wine? Ah, oh, how could they ever smoke a cigarette? Ah, oh, how could they ever play cards? Ah, oh, how could they ever wear a mask at the grocery store right now? Ah, oh, how could they ever not wear a mask at the grocery store right now? Ah, oh, how could they ever get vaccinated? Ah, oh, how could they ever not get vaccinated? Ah, oh, how could they ever homeschool their kids? Ah, oh, how could they ever not homeschool for their kids? Hey, right. Oh, you just start filling in the blanks. That attitude is a bigger affront, regardless of what the, the thing is, that attitude towards those people that are doing those things is a bigger affront to Jesus Christ than the things that they're doing. I promise you, even, even the overt sin, if it's just clearly a sinful thing, like, like there's no question in scripture about it, judging them for it and, and removing yourself from them Instead of stepping towards them and going, Jesus died for that, is a bigger affront to Christ than the thing that they're doing. I know there's a lot there that I don't have time to go into right now. Um, Parents, good luck unpacking that with your kids. I get it that it's a fight um, all the time about trying to help people understand it's not about behavior because it's not. He did it all. But what we do, like his changing our hearts, changing our lives, absolutely should be reflected in living in holiness because of what he's done and by the power of what he's done. Verse 23, these are are matters which have to be sure. So these, like these people that deny all this, like I I don't do any of those bad things. These are matters, these things that they deny are, are to be sure, are have the appearance of wisdom, verse 23, in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. He's saying not only is it an affront to God, but frankly, it doesn't even help you get victory. Because if, if what you're trying to do is live morally in your strength, all I know for sure, absolutely 100% of the time, is you will eventually fail. Because we all do. Because the Bible says that all of us are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Guys, our spiritual reality is not found in legalism. Our spiritual reality is found in a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It's not what we do legalistically. It's it's pressing into and leaning into Christ and stepping into this into, into that invitation that He gives to us. That is the only way to live the spiritual life, right? Yes, our behavior matters. Yes, it matters to Jesus. He, he said, don't think that I came to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He's saying that in me, you can live holy, but it's got to be in me. It's don't live holy and then come to me. It's come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because take my yoke upon you, he says, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We do not want to live in the burden of bondage of sin, but in his light yoke in his easy burden guys he will not condemn a heart that is seeking after him i don't care what your sin struggle is right now he won't so don't let the world tell you that he will if you are earnestly seeking him don't let the world or the enemy or your own flesh or your or or suck you back into the bondage of oh yeah you you can never be with jesus now because of or man, you can't possibly be a Christian because of, that is bondage, it's a lie from the pit of hell, don't listen to it. Because here's the thing, Jesus not only cancels out our record of sin, God not only sees us as this perfect, all he sees is Christ, I'm trying to get this where you can see it, but then Jesus writes words of life and love on us. He says, Doug, not only are you, not only are all your bad things gone, but you are deeply loved. You are completely forgiven. You are mine. Mine. Sorry, it's hard to write like that. Right. The, he doesn't just wipe away, he writes on. And so we need to be constantly renewing our minds, not just with, okay, Lord, help me stop this thing, but it's, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know your grace is sufficient in all of it. I know you've given me the power to overcome it. And I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have forgiven me and that you have written your words of life upon my heart. Right? Like, like, like we got to take that last step of going, don't, let yourself live in defeat. Don't let other people drag you back into defeat. If we, Paul says it this way in Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21, if righteousness could come from, from our own good works, then Christ died for nothing. I don't nullify the grace of God. Right? I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna say that, that God hung his son on a cross for nothing. Look at your last table talk question. We're going to wrap it up with this. It says, God wants to heal the hurting sinner, and he took our pain on the cross to prove it. It is his power that makes us eternally victorious. It is his glory that makes us eternally beautiful in his eyes. It is If, if you are in Christ, he has written his name upon you, and he has spoken words of life over you and into you. Take some time right now to read 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. That's the, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that he, because, that he has called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you did not have mercy, now you do have mercy. Renew, renew, renew your mind with that truth. So read that together. You're gonna, you're gonna, when we're done here in just a minute, you're going to read 1, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, and then you're going to speak those words of life over one another. Write those words of, lo of loving truth about you on a piece of paper, kind of like I just did here on my little thing here, 
and include those words that were spoken over you by others. So I want to encourage you with whoever you're with right now to not only write down some of the things that God says about you, but, but look at each other with whoever you're with, or if you're by yourself, call somebody on the phone when we're done here, a friend of yours and say, you know, I just want to, I want to let you, I want to speak words of life to you and, and speak them to them, speak over them. I, you are, you are so loyal. You are so loving. You are, and, and as people are writing, speaking those words over you or write them down, write them down and remember who, um, th those words, because, because the enemy, this, the enemy is constantly trying to tear us down. The spirit of God, back to our passage, is constantly trying, is constantly in the process of building us up, right? Of rooting us in, of trying to help us dig deeper. We need those words of life spoken over us by God and by others to counteract all the negative words of death, frankly, that the world, the enemy, our flesh try to tell us. So you're going to take some time to do that. I finish with this. In Psalm 51, the psalm that you may have started your morning with or your time with today, Psalm 51, David's great psalm of repentance, he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Guys, our greatest testimony, our greatest witness to a world that needs to hear about a God that, that loves them so much that he sent his son to die for them. And oh, by the way, at that death, on that cross, completely annihilated every sin that they would ever commit by, by them just claiming that victory. Um, our greatest witness is, is our ability to live in that victory, to live in the joy, to live in the peace, to live in the power that that cross, the victorious cross gives us, right? Like if we are discouraged and downtrodden and, and, and I, and I get, all those feelings, guys, I, I do. I, I wrestle. I am, I am sadly more pessimistic than I am optimistic. And that's the enemy at work. That's my flesh. That's the world. That's Satan at work in my life. The victory is ours in Christ. And, and our greatest testimony, the, the best power we can project to a world that needs to see a powerful God is to have joy-filled, thankful, overflowing grat hearts of gratitude for who Christ is and for what he's done. Let me pray. So Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the truth um, that we are victorious in Christ. Lord, I thank you for um, what the cross did, um, that the cross punched a hole in this dark world and redeemed back that which was lost. May we not diminish that, Lord. May we not diminish the sacrifice. May we not diminish the power that is there by, by pseudo-religion or by sort of feeling saved, but may we live in the victory that flows from there. Lord, I was reminded even this week as I was just wrestling through um, selfishness and self-pity and, and, and the woe is me's. I, I, I just had this vision of you on the cross um, looking down at me in love, but looking at me and going, Doug, really? What part of this, me right here, hanging on the cross for you, for your sins, what part of this isn't enough? What part of this didn't accomplish whatever it is you think still needs to be done? So, Lord, help us to live in that victory. Help those who don't yet know that victory to come to life today. Help them to, help them to experience, to breathe in, breathe in the freedom that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that to be your slave, 
is to be truly set free. Set free from all of the bondage of sin and death and the world. If the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. And all God's people said, Amen. Love you guys. God bless.